Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang on the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. We are back here again this weekend for another post-game recap. The Ohio State Buckeyes coming off a 52-13 win over Rutgers. And Josh, you know, we were a little bit conservative coming into this game. We didn't quite know what to expect from Ohio State coming off, you know, an Akron game that we didn't learn a ton about. This was a Rutgers team that had a really good defense on paper and an offense that we didn't really know what they'd be able to do against an Ohio State defense that we didn't really know what they'd be able to do. So uh, a pretty comfortable win here. Ohio State did what they wanted for the entire game when the starters were in. And then I think Ryan Day kind of showed Greg Shiano some mercy in the second half and really took the foot off the gas and emptied the bench. So overall, a really good game for the Buckeyes, probably their best overall performance of the year thus far. And while it is uh, Rutgers, it is a step up from Akron for sure. And this is a, a, a reassuring performance from Ohio State to say the least. Yeah, you know, for me, this was sort of like the the first time we got to see Ohio State this year. It was sort of like starting over. It, it cleansed away um, some of the previous games and some of the previous missteps. You know, I think Minnesota was a good barometer and it was the first game of the season. We knew there'd be some, some odds and ends there and some inexperience, but since then, I don't feel like Ohio State had looked like Ohio State. And this was the team that I think a lot of us expected. I don't know if it's all of the players that we expected to be contributing or not contributing at this point. But for me, this is how I anticipated Ohio State looking this season once C.J. Stroud sort of got comfortable and we, we figured things out on defense. So, yeah, I was very pleased with this performance. I was moderately surprised by it, just how good they looked. But I think that, again, this is indicative of what a Ryan Day coached football team is going to look like. And I think we were all hopeful that the defense would not look as bad as it previously had for as long as it has. So we're starting to figure some things out. And all in all, I feel really good about this game yesterday. Yeah, a 52-13 score is kind of what we'd expect from Ohio State versus Rutgers in these past few years. But, you know, coming into this game, Ohio State was kind of trending a little bit lower than usual and Rutgers was looking better than usual. So it's a, it's good to see that, you know, the same same thing held. Ohio State's still still good, turns out. Um, I guess we could start yeah, with Yeah, the, the sky's not falling yet. Yes, not yet. Um, I guess we could start with the offense because that was probably the, you know, the more impressive of the two units. Even though they did hold Rutgers to 13 points, we kind of knew that Rutgers' offense wasn't really all that great. But the 52 points against the Rutgers' defense that had been really, really good coming into this week, you know, they had previously held Michigan to 20 points at home. So to see the Buckeyes drop 52 on them in Piscataway is impressive. Ohio State scored on all seven of their first drives, not including the uh, their last possession before the end of the half where they kind of just ran the clock out to halftime. Uh, so all seven possessions that the starters were in, Ohio State scored at least a field goal on, and they also had the pick six early on from Denzel Burke to add another touchdown. So a really great performance from the offense overall. I think the big story here uh, with C.J. Stroud returning from that shoulder injury, 
Uh, probably put up the best performance that we've seen from him at Ohio State yet. He finished 17 of 23, 330 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. And he looked like, Josh, he looked like almost like a completely different quarterback. You know, there was none of those early overthrows. He was hitting guys. There were some really, really impressive throws he made in this game. You know, some that come to mind to me, just thinking back on the game, uh, there was obviously that scramble where he, he got out of a sack and then hit Chris Olave, and Chris Olave made moves for a touchdown. He had a really nice throw to Chris Olave in the back of the end zone later in the game. And he also had like it was a it was a very nonchalant play, but he also hit Jackson Smith and Jigba down the right sideline, like right in the basket, like a very good contested cat like pass. And he put it where only Jackson Smith and Jigba could get it. It was a great throw. And you know, this was this was the quarterback we expected to see like from CJ Stroud this year. It wasn't the guy that we saw the first few games. And while Rutgers isn't you know, an elite, elite defense. They're they're a good defense, and they're you know they're a better defense than the Minnesotas and, and the Tulsas that they went up against earlier in the year, where CJ Stroud had struggled. So it does appear that you know that time off was good for him. He was able to heal up. His shoulder does look healthy. We saw him. Uh, he's still not a, you know he still doesn't seem like he wants to run, but he did run a couple of times in this game. He had two carries for 13 yards, and he did pull a ball on one of those option reads. So it, it does seem like he's getting healthier by the week. And this was a very you know for all the CJ Stroud haters out there that want him benched, I think this was a fantastic performance for him and one that he needed to kind of build some confidence moving forward. Yeah, CJ looked awesome. And I kind of found myself wondering where has this guy been? But maybe this is healthy CJ Stroud. And maybe he was not healthy post Minnesota game. I think that's when he initially uh, sort of banged up the shoulder. But, you know, Ryan Day has not missed on a quarterback at Ohio State, and he's got a, a bunch of previous experience where he has coached up quarterbacks to be successful and, you know, coached uh, successful offenses. He doesn't miss. And so he had confidence in this guy. He had confidence in him throughout the offseason. He had confidence in him coming into the season, and he maintained confidence even after that Tulsa game where, you know, I'll be honest, I was a C.J. Stroud defender but after that Tulsa game, we even talked about it on the pod. I was like, I don't know. Maybe he's not that guy. But it was clear that he was not healthy. He should not have been out there uh, against Akron. And it was it was great to give him that week off. And I'm hopeful that this is the guy that Ryan Day saw all along and that his teammates have seen all along. You know, they uh, Chris Olave talked after the game and Garrett Wilson had talked about CJ Stroud during the week in practice, they have confidence in this guy. They know that he can sling it and they know that he had probably not played up to his absolute like top end ability, but it, it seems like he really wasn't healthy. He got the time off and this is the guy that we, we all wanted to see. He was sort of reminiscent of Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields. You know, I think Maybe we can get into it a little bit more, but I think this is the best game that Ryan Day has called. He really played to CJ's strengths, a lot of underneath stuff, some zone beaters where Chris Olave is just, you know, wide open 15 yards down in the middle of the field. Like Ryan Day was in his bag yesterday and CJ let the game come to him and then he made the right throws when he needed to. You talk about that throw to uh, JSN down the sideline. You're right. It wasn't. For a touchdown, it was for, I think, like a 30, 35-yard gain. But that was his best throw of the season. And I don't think anyone is going to convince me otherwise. Maybe he'll have better throws as the season goes along. But that was a dime. It was a beautiful throw right over the defender's shoulder. You're right, where only one person could get it. And that was JSN going down the sideline. So I thought C.J. Stroud just... He looked great. You're right. It was sort of like a, a completely different person out there. But hopefully that is the person that he's really been all along. And this will be a huge stepping stone for him, you know, for as much as uh, for as much hate as he has sort of received. And hey, it's probably not the right word. It's just fans being fans. But Bill Landis tweeted this out. You know, he's now up to number six in the country in passer rating, seven in yards per game. Uh, number three in yards per attempt and number 10 in touchdowns, you know, despite the perceived struggles and missing a game. So he's right where we need him to be. And he's actually probably ahead of where we need him to be for a quote unquote redshirt freshman. But 
for all intents and purposes, you know, first time out there, he looked great. And I hope this continues. Yeah, I, I don't think we quite reached a point like uh, at Oklahoma where the fans were actively chanting for uh, Spencer Rattler to be replaced by his backup. But there were certainly people out there that wanted to see this, you know, see what the other guys can do. And we've, we've seen it at this point now. And I, I think it's pretty clear that C.J. Stroud is the best of the bunch when healthy. You know, no no disrespect to Kyle McCord or Jack Miller. But CJ, there's a reason C.J. Stroud won this battle in the offseason. Uh, Ryan Day, like you said, knows what he's doing with quarterbacks. And so if he if he thinks he's the guy, he's probably the guy. And also, like you said about Ryan Day's play calling, I thought this was a, a very good game from a, a scheme and a play calling standpoint from Ryan Day. I thought they 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 allowed the offense to come to Stroud. They they started running, you know, they ran the ball, established the run early, hit those short passes, like you said, and they let their their skill guys make plays. And it's a lot of what we saw against Akron. And we're like, well, why don't we run this kind of offense with CJ and let him get comfortable early? And, you know, that's pretty much exactly what they did in this game against a good defense. They didn't take a ton of deep shots. Uh, but they they let you know they put the hands of guys like put the ball in the hands of guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jack Smith, and Jigba, and we even saw Jeremy Rucker get involved in this game and score a touchdown, which we love to see getting those those tight ends involved and Mitch Rossi, the fullback, getting a touchdown. So everyone got involved in this game. It was a good game plan, and you know when you have you know the talent around C.J. Stroud obviously helps a ton, and when you have guys like Travion Henderson, Olave Wilson, and all those characters out there, uh, it should be pretty easy to run an offense, and that's how Ohio State made it look. Like I said, they scored on all seven drives when their starters were in, and it, it you know they never really met any opposition along the way. Yeah, uh, I want to jump in on that. Like that's that's a great point by you, and that's sort of what I was getting towards with the play calling. Look, football's not easy. Um, a, a lot of Ohio State's games are not going to be easy, but when Ryan Day is, is really at his peak, he makes it look easy for the Ohio State offense. It's, you know, C.J. Stroud, he avoided a sack on that one big play, but other than that, he was just kind of sitting back there. He had a lot of wide open guys, and that doesn't mean it is easy. He still has to execute and make big throws during certain situations and make the right reads. But with the talent they have around, like you said, it should look easy against, I don't know, 75% of the teams that Ohio State's going to play. Like, is that fair? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. You know, the, the Big Ten is known for its defenses, and there are some really good defenses that Ohio State will face this year. But at the end of the day, the talent disparity between Ohio State and, and you know, like you said, like 75, 80, 85% of their opponents – uh, it, it's just it's totally in favor of Ohio State, and so when you're able to you know call smart plays, let your offense just do its magic, and let your skill guys make plays like, like you know they can, and like they've done so many times, it makes the whole thing easier. And you know, speaking of skill guys, uh, you know another guy that flashed as he has in every time he's touched the ball is Travion Henderson. Only had eight carries in this game, but had 71 yards and a touchdown on you know most of that coming on his long 44 yard run to open up the scoring in the game. Uh, he did get banged up pretty early in this game, and they, they sat him the rest of the way. Ryan Day said after the game, you know, he, he clearly could have played like he wasn't like hurt, but they didn't want to risk him in a game that was, you know, that was quickly becoming a runaway. So it stinks that we didn't get to see more of Travion Henderson, but, you know, this guy is clearly, he's clearly become running back one. Uh, Mayan Williams was not available in this game for an undisclosed injury, so it was him and Master Teague as the one and two, but... Travion Henderson is clearly the top guy in the pecking order now, as he should be, as he's quite well earned. Uh, there was a tweet also from Bill Landis today about how, you know, there's there's a couple of running backs in college football that have 500 yards at this point. I'm just bringing up the tweet. I lost it. Timeout. Yeah, Landis, Landis was on his game this morning, he too. He was on it. He had the stats ready to go. So there's five players in the Big Ten with 500-yard rushing seasons. The four that aren't Travion Henderson have 112, 184, and 70 carries, respectively. Trayvon Henderson only has 54, and he's averaging 9.44 yards per carry. So this guy is just, you know, he's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. Uh, he's just been incredible in that backfield, especially as a freshman, the way that this guy has come on so fast. And I, I think, you know, as the season goes on, we'll see him get more and more involved. And I just love watching Trayvon Henderson run the ball. And I think, you know, it, it's with all the running backs Ohio State has had in recent years, all the very, very talented running backs, it's tough to you know, say that a guy is it looks like one of the best. But, I mean, it, through the few games we've seen from Travion Henderson, th there seems to be no reason to believe he can't be the next Ezekiel Elliott or J.K. Dobbins or potentially even better than those guys with how good he is already in just, you know, a couple games into his collegiate career. Yeah, he looks really special. He's just – he's a great combination of size, vision, speed, quickness, you know, um, change of direction. He – um you know, he doesn't 
he reminds me a little bit of J.K. Dobbins and Zeke, like you brought up, but he seems to have that extra, I don't know if it's the speed factor or like there's just something different physically about him. And I'm not comparing them because they're very different, but when I just look at his sort of skill set and how, how much he stands out, that's where I see some Eddie George. Again, not Eddie George was an animal, um, much bigger totally different game but Eddie George was just so big and so fast that he was almost like a Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry and so that's where I see Trayvon Henderson just looks different that his body mold is very similar to that of a JK or a Zeke but there's just something extra about him sort of like I, I, I used to see in an Eddie George like he's got that extra five or 10%. I think it's speed and quickness because, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it's hard to describe, but he looks really special. I think that he is arguably already one of the top five, 10 running backs in the country. And I think talent wise, he's creeping up even further. And I know that that's, that's a big expectation and a lot to say for a guy who's just played uh, a handful of games, but when you're averaging nine and a half yards per carry and you always get something extra out of it and it's that extra gear, that's what sets him apart is, you know, he hits the line of scrimmage or he hits two, three yards past the line of scrimmage and then the jets kick on and he's gone. You know, he's even with a defender or there's a defender coming at him and it's just, you don't have it. You don't have it. Like I do. He hits that NOS button and he separates that's what makes him special. And so um, I think they're going to feed him. I hope that he stays healthy. Like you said, Ryan Day alluded to the fact that he could have come back in and he was just playing it safe. But physically, he is one of the more special backs that I remember in recent history. You know, that's not to kind of like crap on the other guys. J.K. Dobbins was one of my favorite Ohio State running backs that I can remember, but he was just really good at everything. Like he never seemed to have that extra extra that's what i see in travion henderson if that makes sense do i do i sound crazy or are you kind of picking up what i'm putting down no for sure travion henderson seems to have a fifth year that other guys just simply do not have when when travion once travion henderson gets past like the front seven and he's he's in that secondary and into the second level of the defense it's just like every time it's like oh this guy's this guy's gone like there's no way anybody's gonna catch him like that run that long run he had against Rutgers, like the second that he broke past linebackers it was over there was not a chance that any of the safeties or corners on that field were gonna chase him down and that's just how it is pretty much every time he gets into space and you know every time he touches the ball it seemed to be 10 yards or more so yeah I totally agree this kid is special I do think he's one of the top running backs in the country it'll be interesting to see you know uh I don't want to you know put this on him this early but with the way that some of the quarterbacks around the country have looked this year I think the Heisman conversation is going to be pretty wide open and if, if Travion Henderson has you know starts to get the rock a little bit more and he has some big games against some of the ranked opponents that Ohio State's going to play later in the year like Penn State and Michigan I think he could certainly work his way into the into the conversation, and he may not win it, but he may be able to play himself to New York because a lot of the guys, you know, preseason that were looked at at the Heisman, you know, Spencer Rattler has struggled. Matt Corral has worked his way into the conversation, but he just got floored by Alabama yesterday. Uh, you know, a couple other guys. I think Bijan Robinson is probably the top running back in the country right now. I think him and Henderson are probably one and two. But you know, if, if Henderson continues to play the way he's playing, I, I think I, he could certainly play his way into the Heisman conversation. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I hate no, to do I, that. I hate to do that to a freshman f- like four or five games in, but that's just how that's how good he's looked at this point. Yeah, I think that's those are lofty expectations, but I don't think it's unrealistic at all, especially when you look at some of the preseason candidates and things like that. It may not be a traditional stats Heisman season. It may just be eye test who is the most special player in the country. And I think he could work himself into that conversation easily um, because I haven't, I haven't looked at everyone's stats, obviously, but some of your front runners, you know, DJ Ugalele from Clemson. No, Sam Howell from North Carolina. No, Spencer Rattler. Eh. Um so, yeah, you're looking for somebody who, you know, he's Trey is probably not going to run for 2000 yards. He's not going to have the volume. But if he's still averaging, I don't know, seven, seven yards a clip and he looks really good against some big other Big Ten defenses and he and, he, you know, he puts up 15 touchdowns. 
I think he can get in that conversation easily. It's just going to be, is he going to get the volume? Because I think the dynamic play and the big plays, they're going to be there. So I'm with you. I think it's a little premature, but I think he's set the stage. I think that's fair to say. Like he's, he's kind of gotten his name in the early conversation for sure. Yeah, and just actually looking, like I just pulled up the Odds Shark uh, Heisman favorites, and this was before this week. So I had Matt Corral at the top. Obviously, he didn't do so well against Alabama. Bryce Young's clearly up there as Alabama's quarterback. Rattler's up there, but he has not performed well. JT Daniels from Georgia is is injured. He didn't play this week. Uh, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, obviously having a great year, but I think a lot of Cincinnati's success is based on their defense and the run game. And then right there in the number six spot, and those, those odds is Travion Henderson, even ahead of B. John Robinson. So... You know, wow. the, the, the Vegas odds do seem to, you know, they're they're starting to key in on Travion Henderson. And this is a guy that, you know, a couple of those guys are, you know, one of them's not playing, one of them's not playing well. So, you know, Vegas by, by knows the, too, yeah, Vegas, right? Vegas, Vegas always, always knows. knows. Vegas is always right. They never lose. And so, you know, after this weekend, I think, you know, if the, once those odds change, I think he'll be a, a, an already in the top five of that conversation. And that's with him getting less than like 10 yards, uh, 10 carries a game. So if he keeps getting the ball, I think it's very easy that he could play himself to New York. Uh, and then, you know, just to round out Ohio State's offense, I think we finally figured out that we have Chris Olave on the roster, which is good. Uh, he <laughs> caught five passes for 119 yards, had two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, three catches, 71 yards and a touchdown. Clearly still Ohio State's two top receivers. Uh, both played tremendously well. Garrett Wilson is really starting to make a name for himself as a run-after-the-catch guy. He's been really good at taking some of these screens and these short passes and making these cuts and making guys miss and picking up big yards. And Chris Olave you know, is a guy that previously we had thought is kind of the, just the deep ball threat and a guy that's really good at getting open, but he himself has been making some really good plays after the catch as well. So it's good to see Ohio State's receivers you know, working the ball down the field, helping out their quarterback, picking up those extra yards. Obviously, Jack Smith and Jigba and Jeremy Rucker both played well in this game as well. Uh, we saw G. Scott Jr. get involved. Marcus Crowley caught a screen pass for 20 yards. So Ohio State's pretty much working everybody in. They're not still like, you know, the young guys, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, still aren't really uh, getting any of the real playing time in, in non-garbage minutes. But we kind of expected that going into the season with how talented guys like Olave and Wilson are. But, you know, those guys, uh, I don't really know what to say about them at this point. They're still really good at football, and I'm glad that we're starting to, you know, utilize them a bit more, and that I hope that you know, well, we continue to see those targets for Olave and Wilson go up. I believe Olave is only uh, a couple touchdowns shy at this point from the Ohio State program record for receiving touchdowns. So, uh, you know, if he continues on his current pace, he will break that easily, and uh, that's good to see because he's been, you know, very good for this program for a very long time. Yeah, I'll, I'll sort of hit a, on the end of your point first. I think that it's going to be tough for... Emeka Agbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and guys like that to really get much playing time and or establish anything with C.J. Stroud. You know, as, as good as C.J. Stroud looked yesterday and he's had his moments prior to that, he's still a young quarterback, so he needs his his security blankets, I guess. And so you would imagine all of his first team reps or the, the lion's share of them are with a Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson uh, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. So it, it, unless there's another blowout, I just look, it's not going to happen for them this year. They, they'll have their opportunities. I'm sure of that. But just to wrap a bow on the offensive stuff. Yeah, it was good to see Chris Olave get involved again. You know, even if he didn't come out and say it, the last two games were probably frustrating for him. Um, just as a guy who came back and, and wants to be considered one of, if not the best in the country. And I still think he is, but couple of rough games, probably no fault of his own outside of the the couple of drops that he did have. But the offense looked like a well-oiled machine, and I continue to be impressed with the offensive line. Rutgers, which we'll get to a little bit more, you know, Rutgers came in with, on paper, a really good defense. They were, uh, gosh, I'm trying to pull it back up. I wrote about it this week. They were seventh in the country in points allowed per game and 11th in the country in total yards per game. So yeah, you have to take into account the fact that they played Temple and Delaware and Syracuse. And I can't remember all of their previous Michigan, um, but they still have some guys on that defense and they're still coached really well by Greg Schiano and the defensive line really held up. I don't, have it up in front of me right now. I don't know that CJ was sacked. I know Kyle McCord was sacked once late in the game when he popped in there, but those guys opened up holes. They protected CJ Stroud. And you talked about the Travion Henderson touchdown run. 
that was beautiful. I think it was Paris Johnson pulling from right guard and Jeremy Ruckert came around as well. Both had great blocks, just opened up a tractor beam for Travion Henderson to run untouched. Those guys are really, really good. And as long as they stay healthy and continue to gel, as much as we count on Travion Henderson and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and continued improvement by C.J. Stroud, I think the the rock of this offense is their offensive line. They're huge. They play well together, and they're only getting better. As long as they are playing well, I don't know that Ohio State is going to be in uh, in danger. They're always going to have something to go to, right? They're going to, you know, if if C.J. Stroud's struggling, okay, well, let's run it behind these guys. If for whatever reason the run game does not look good, you can at least count on C.J. having some time in the pocket because of this unit up front. So I thought everyone looked really good yesterday. It was all checking of the boxes. No really, uh, no negatives from me, really. Yeah, I think the offensive line has quietly played really well. Um, it's still been Luke Whipler out there at center, even though Harry Miller was uh, available. He did Harry Miller did play some snaps later in the game. But yeah, Luke Whipler is still in that starting spot at center. All the other usual suspects still out there. And yeah, they played really well. It was Rucker that set the edge on that uh, Trayvon Henderson touchdown. I watched that play a few times. And yeah, he's been really good in the blocking game as well. So their front's been really good. They only let up one sack, like you said, to Rutgers, and it was late in the game. It was when the backups were in, so C.J. Stroud was clean. And, you know, even when C.J. Stroud, I thought, did a really good job of even when Rutgers did get pressure on a few occasions of, you know, stepping up in the pocket or standing in there and still making the throw, even though he knew he was going to get hit. So to see all that come together is obviously great. And, you know, to keep your starting quarterback clean for an entire, like, a little more than a half against a really good defense is, you know, very reassuring for that offensive line. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, just flipping over to the defense now for Ohio State. Um, uh, you know, as we've talked about Rutgers defense all this time, um, I, I'm I'm not ready to call them back yet. I still think there are some, you know, there are some issues to be worked out in this Ohio State defense. But it does seem, you know, since Matt Barnes started calling the plays, and since you know they they changed some scheme stuff up a little bit, and they started blitzing a little bit more, it does seem like Ohio State's defense at least is competent and looks a little bit more like they know what they're doing out there. And I think they're starting to figure out who their best players are as well. And we're starting to see a lot of that all come together to make, you know, at, at the very minimum, a decent defense. And, you know, we talked that Rutgers offense isn't exactly explosive and isn't one that's going to beat you deep or anything, but I thought Ohio State's defense played uh, pretty well overall. Anyway, you know, they picked off uh, Nova Draw three times. It was his first three picks of the season. Uh, they had a sack. Tyleek Williams continues to be a dog in the middle of that defensive line. JT Tuina Lowe started at defensive end again. He looked really good. Uh, Denzel Burke continues to shine as a freshman corner, the number one corner on this defense for sure at this point, I think. And, you know, Ronnie Hickman as well having another big game, racking up a bunch of tackles. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from a lot of these guys. I'm liking the guys that they have rotating in. I think Ohio State's done a very good job of, you know, kind of fixing the linebacker rotation. It was, you know, Taraja Mitchell and Cody Simon were both the starters out there, and they played, you know, pretty much the entire time that the stars were in. So we're not rotating our entire, you know, back seven every time there's a new play, which is good to see. I think we're kind of, kind of keying in on who's good out there. And, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of Cam Martinez and Court Williams, that I, which I like. I think they're both playing... Uh, very well in limited time, and they're starting to see more and more snaps each week with the way that they've been playing. And, you know, they've been easing seven banks back as well. He played a lot more in this game. Uh, Cam Brown was active, but I don't think he really played. Uh, about 10 snaps, I think. Yeah, he didn't play a ton, so obviously they're still trying to keep him healthy as well. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to like about this Ohio State defense at this point, which is, you know, a lot more than we could have said a few weeks ago. So I'm not ready to say that this Ohio State defense is good, but I, I think they at least are starting to figure out what they are. And they definitely look, you know, like they're aware of what they should be doing. And they're in the right places more often than not at this point than they were a few short games ago. Yeah, it definitely looks like as they've gained more experience and shortened the rotation, this defense is improving. I'll say this, though, that Rutgers offense stinks. 
Um, they are what you and I talked about on paper. When we did the preview, we we're like, how do these guys score? They throw for less than 200 yards per game. They run it at like three and a half yards per, uh, you know, per carry. And that's what we saw yesterday. This offense stinks. And maybe Ohio State's defense is improving that much. But Rutgers ran 15 plays for 33 yards in the second quarter. And the first quarter would have looked the exact same had it not been for one poor angle taken by Ronnie Hickman, who's, you know, the man on this defense right now. But on that long uh, Aaron Cruikshank touchdown, he took a really poor angle coming down from safety. And that's what allowed that big play to happen. But, um, you know, Noah Vidral, he's at his third college on his fifth year for a reason. And he sort of got exposed. He had thrown no picks coming into the game. He lost a fumble. Uh, he just didn't look good. Didn't look good. I actually like Isaiah Pacheco, but he had no opportunity to do anything against Ohio State. And they were oddly persistent in trying to use their homeless man's Taysom Hill, Johnny Langan, I think. He was like their backup quarterback. And they're trying to use him as like, a wildcat guy and yeah, a tight end. Nothing funnier than like bringing in your wildcat quarterback on fourth and two when every single person in the world knows exactly what you're doing because you brought in the wildcat quarterback. I never understand teams that do that. It's like, oh, let's bring in the running quarterback to run the running quarterback play. It's like, oh, the defense is totally going to be fooled by this. Like, I just don't. That just never makes any sense to me. Yeah, I'm with you. And they tried to get him the ball in the passing game, too. And I'm like, what are we doing here? Uh, I said homeless man's Taysom Hill. I, that might even be generous. I, I didn't see him do anything, but um, that's probably unfair to Rutgers. It's small sample size. It should be about the Ohio State defense and their improvement. I, I do think they continue to get better every week. They still are experimenting a little bit, and we find out about guys not being healthy or being you know, quasi-healthy five minutes before the game, which is frustrating. Um, but as they continue to keep the rotation short, I think that they will be better and look better. I think they've gone from what, like 119 to the mid 80s in total defense just in the last couple of weeks. So it's baby steps. They're getting there. I think that Rutgers was a good opportunity for them to kind of get right. But the guys are still. What they're doing better is they're thinking less and going to the ball more. And we emphasize that during the first couple of weeks, whether that's coaching or experience, these guys look and are playing more confidently, um, especially on some of the boundary plays. And when the, uh, the opposition attempts to run on them, guys are just swarming to the ball. They are not getting caught up in blocks or running into each other as often. They just look like they are more comfortable out there. And again, I don't know if that's completely fair to say it was on coaching early in the season, right? It, it was going to take time, but it looks like that time has come a little bit where these guys, um, they know what they're doing out there. And I think it was awesome. I, I, hopefully Cody Simon is, is uh, not banged up too bad, but, uh, turnover Tommy got in there, Tommy Eichenberg, who has sort of been railed against by Ohio State fans for his high snap count and no tackle output, but he got a pick when he came into the game yesterday. I thought everyone looked really good, and Tyleek Williams, I think we should hit on him for a minute. You mentioned him. I, I'm not sure why he's not starting yet. If I have one sort of odd question, I get it that Teron Vincent and Antoine Jackson and guys like that, they've got experience and they don't look bad out there by any means. And I, I really, really had high hopes for Teron Vincent. He only played 17 snaps, He, but I don't know why he starts games. If I'm being completely honest, he, it's not that he does anything poorly. I just, I don't know what he does. He just seems like he's out there. I never see him making plays, whereas you see Haskell Garrett with three sacks last week. Tyleek Williams comes in, and granted, he played against the backups quite a bit, but he has wrecked shop. Even going back to the Tulsa game, he's been just a beast out there. So I'd like to see him start. I'd like to see him next to Haskell Garrett from the get-go and maybe rotate some of these other guys in after him. But... All in all, pleased with what we saw from the defense. Where are you at on Tyreek Williams? Like, do you think that 
Do you think that Teron Vincent and Antoine Jackson provide anything that he doesn't? Or why do you think we haven't seen him in the starting lineup yet? I have no idea. I think Tyler Williams is without a doubt the best defensive tackle on this team, not named Haskell Garrett. Uh, Tyler Williams was actually the highest rated defensive player overall for Ohio State in this game. Uh, yeah, the official starters at tackle were Garrett and Antoine Jackson, but uh, Tyler Williams wound up playing 22 snaps to Jackson's 17. So he did wind up playing a little bit more. Uh, the only defensive tackles that played more than Tyler Williams were surprisingly Ty Hamilton, but that's just, you know, a lot of second half, the emptying the bench and backups. But Ty Hamilton has played well in his own right when he's been in. So uh, credit to him as well. But yeah. It's it's really good to see overall. I, I love Tyler Williams. I think he's one of you know one of the best defensive players on this team. Very quickly, I think he's a different kind of defensive tackle that Ohio State doesn't usually get to see. I don't remember he's which explosive. other. Yeah, I don't remember which other podcast I was listening to. Uh, you know, someone else, someone else on the Ohio State beat, but they were they were saying you know Tyler Williams is like a typical like Alabama defensive tackle, like a guy that really wrecks it up the middle and like is a real game changer up the middle of the defensive line. And that's not something we see at Ohio State very often. We're usually a team that you know has guys beating you off the edge and then the guys in the middle are just kind of space eaters and run stoppers. But Tyreek Williams is a is a good pass rusher up the middle and he has he's been in he's been very noticeable when he's on the field, which is, you know, very uncommon for a defensive tackle. So I think he'll, you know, he'll continue to play more and more as the season goes on. And I think, you know, one of the best parts about the way we've seen the defense improve is that this defensive coaching staff now, regardless of who's calling the plays, is is seems very willing to play a lot of these young guys. And I think that's very important. And it's been a large reason why we've seen the defense improve. You know, you look at some of these snap counts and, and two of the top three guys, you know, Ronnie Hickman led the team with 44, but right behind him was Denzel Burke with 43 and JT Tuimaloa with 41. So two of the top three guys in snap counts are true freshmen. Uh, you know, you had Cody Simon, fifth most snaps on the team, sophomore, Jack Sawyer, eighth most uh, snaps on the team, freshman. Cam Martinez right behind him, freshman. Court Williams, second-year guy. So, you know, you have a lot of these young players getting significant snaps, and not just in garbage time. A lot of these guys were starters or, you know, played a lot in the first and second quarter, even when the game wasn't out of reach yet. So I think the youth movement at Ohio State is really important for this team. I think a lot of their best defensive players are a lot of the younger guys that we've seen. And, you know, even a guy... Another guy, not outside the young guys, I think Marcus Williamson has actually played really well in kind of a slot corner safety role. Uh, you know, he's an older player, but he's he's a guy that hasn't really played a ton until these last couple weeks, and I think he's kind of flashed in limited time. I think Ohio State still trying to figure out their safety positions a little bit. They're some, going some too high safety. They're on still some one high safety, and they're trying to figure out the best combination back there. Uh, but, you know, I think overall they're they're getting guys in in good spots. They're They're rotating in ways that they should be and not just for the sake of rotating. And, you know, I think they found a, a good core of guys that they know they could rely on uh, early in games when it's, you know, when it's not a blowout. And I, I, I like the trend that this defense is going in. Like I said, I'm not ready to say that they're fantastic or that the, the defense is fixed, but I do. I think they're trending in the right direction. And I think having these young guys getting these snaps is tremendously valuable, not only for, you know, not only for this season, but for the seasons to come, because these guys will be here for a couple more years. Yeah, I, I like that you brought up the safety rotation. It does seem like they're going to continue to rotate. And specifically there, I'm okay with that. I think that Bryson Shaw, your favorite guy on the team, I think he was sort of set up for failure early in the season. I think um, running more of the too high safety and not having the expectation that he's sort of the stopper and the eraser, especially once Josh Proctor went out. But I think if you put him out there with a Cam Martinez or a Lathan Ransom, um, I think he could be part of the rotation. And I, I haven't noticed him a whole lot the last couple of games, but in a good way, if that makes sense. You yeah, know, I think um, a good thing that they, I think what they're kind of starting to figure out is that they're using him, it seems more in like obvious passing downs. And then they're using Court Williams at safety in more of like run stopping scenarios because Court Williams is almost more like a bullet. So I, I think they're doing a good job with them too. And then, like you said, you know, you have Cam Martinez, Ronnie Hickman, a lot of these guys that kind of switch between bullet and safety. So, and you know, we saw Marcus Hooker actually get 24 snaps in this game as well. So they're, they're definitely trying guys out at safety, which, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't hate. And I think they are, they could use these guys situationally. And yeah, I, I, I can't, I am not going to hate on Bryce Charles this week. I thought he played okay. I didn't see him do anything particularly egregious. And I thought, you know, if I don't notice you out there on defense, it's probably a good thing more or less. And that's all we need, right? We need a guy out there who clearly the coaching staff believes that he's an intelligent football player and thinks he's an intelligent guy and should be out there. So if he's out there, <clears throat> excuse me, and he limits the mental mistakes and he's not 
put on an island, I, I think he can be part of the rotation. But uh, same goes for the defensive line. You know, I think that I think JT Tui Milau is going to be. I, I don't know if he's going to be a starter once Tyreek Smith comes back, but I think that he has already proven himself deserving of like co-starter snaps or third guy snaps at the very least. Maybe he does start even when Tyreek Smith comes back, but he hasn't been like a pass rushing force, but I don't think that that's going to be what he is. I think he's going to be a very well-rounded defensive end, especially his size and his, his thickness, right? He's a big boy out there. So I think Zach Harrison's more of your, prototype as far as a pass rusher goes. And I think JT is more of a, a hybrid guy. Same thing goes with Tyreek Smith, but he's looked good out there, especially getting those starter reps. So they're starting to figure that out as well. The The defensive line was underwhelming to say the least during the first couple of weeks, they've looked a lot better. And just like I said, the, the offensive line is sort of the engine that makes it go for the offense. I think that the defensive line will have the biggest impact on or be the biggest predictor of like future success for this defense, because if they're playing well, they're creating pressure and they're looking stout in the run game, then I think that gives everyone else a better opportunity to, and kind of lets them stay with their guys and not be as, as exposed. So those fronts, I think the, the better and better they become the better and better that this team will look just as a whole and in general. Yeah, I, I would be surprised at this point if Tui Malau wasn't the, the full-time starter to end opposite Zach Harrison. Um, I know Tyreek Smith's been quote-unquote injured these last two weeks, but I just, you know, from what we've seen from the start of the year, he wasn't, you know, we, we saw flashes of him last year look just completely unblockable, and that just hasn't really shown up once he's yet this year. He's a good get-there guy, or he's a good almost guy, which is, you know, it's useful and important in a sense. He's He's never been able to get home. Like, it's just always been a big knock, not a knock, but like, a struggle of his is he's a he's an almost guy, and that maybe that's all he is. Yeah, and I don't even know if we've really seen much of that this year. Like I've I've seen, I think Zach Harrison's been more of an almost guy this year, where he's gotten in the backfield sometimes and you know made some play and almost made a made a sack or at least got pressure on the quarterback. But I don't, you know, I don't remember anything notable that Tyreek Smith has done yet this year. And you know, I can I can name five plays off the top of my head where JT Malau maybe didn't get a sack but got pressure on the quarterback or made a nice tackle off the edge and stuff like that. I think he's played very very well at defensive end, and I think we will continue to see him start. And, you know, Jack Sawyer quickly working his way up this depth chart as well. He only had four less snaps than Zach Harrison. And I know, like I said, you know, the, the starters didn't play pretty much at all in the second half. But, you know, I think they're getting more and more comfortable putting him out there as well. So if Zach Harrison doesn't start to produce and Tyreek Smith continues to not produce, I think, you know, by the end of the season, we could see Tumaloa and Jack Sawyer both starting at ends for this team. And, you know, I'm, I don't really care who starts as long as they're being productive and, you know, everyone's getting involved and, and making plays. So I'm sure they're kind of of that same mindset that they just want to win games and have the best guys out there. So glad we're starting to see more of a commitment to getting the best guys out there. And I think, you know, this a lot of the playing time is more being based on, you know, how you're playing rather than just seniority at this point, which is what we've kind of been begging for for the last couple of years. And now we're starting to see it unfold and it's going pretty well thus far. But, uh, you know, that being said, I don't know if you have any other like notes on this game. I kind of want to talk about the rest of the Big Ten at large to close out unless you had any other uh, outstanding points on this uh, Rutgers game. No, just good to see some other guys get in there and play some meaningful snaps. Um, even Marcus Crowley, like he he played early. I think he was the second running back in the game when he caught that uh, that that swing or that screen pass. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Why is Marcus Crowley out here so early? But it was good to see him get involved. You talked about Jack Sawyer. He played 30-some snaps. Um, just getting some guys meaningful snaps in meaningful games against a Big Ten opponent. I thought that was a positive development and uh, you know, I, I'm happy with what we saw and interested to see what we see moving forward, but I've got nothing new to add. It was a, it was a really good game, a uh, really strong game on, on all fronts and hopefully we carry that forward. Yeah. I would have loved to see my only gripe, I guess, with the offense and the way that they utilize some of the backups is I would have loved to see more of Evan Pryor in that game, especially with Mayan Williams out. You know, I think he's, 
you know, he's a guy that you'd like to get reps as more of a, a guy that's going to help you down the line as more of a future of this program. And, you know, no disrespect to Marcus Crowley or Master Teague, but I think that, you know, Evan Pryor is a much bigger part of this team's future than either of those guys are, especially since he's a, a true freshman. So I would have liked to see him get a little bit more carry, yeah, especially there in that second half. But that's really my only gripe. And if that's your, if your only gripe is the way that you're using your fourth string running backs, uh, I guess there's not really much to complain about. But looking at the rest of the Big Ten at large, this past weekend, uh, some interesting news and notes, I guess. Uh, you know, there were some games that we don't have to talk about at all, like Minnesota-Purdue and a gross bowl, and I don't know what the heck happened to Northwestern, but they lost 56-7 to to Nebraska, so that's definitely not what you want. Uh, Frost is back, baby! It's not what you want. Uh, Michigan State continues to roll. They beat Western Kentucky 48-31. Kenneth Walker uh, is having a really good year. He had three touchdowns in that game and 120 rushing yards. But uh, two of the bigger games this weekend, I guess three because one was on Friday, but the two big games on Saturday, uh, Penn State, Indiana. Penn State shut them out 24 to nothing. Uh, I think that was a game a lot of people kind of saw coming just based on how Indiana's been trending and, you know, the fact that Penn State kind of got screwed on that Michael Penix play last year. I think they wanted some revenge in that game and, and they got it. Uh, I think Michael Penix got hurt again. I don't recall if he came back in that game, but he just can't seem to stay healthy. And even when he was even healthy he this year, yeah, hurt, their offense uh, has just not been it. Yeah, I think that. His performance against Ohio State last year is probably going to be the highlight of his career. I, I He looks like Uncle Rico out there throwing the ball, and I don't remember that from last season. Maybe it's because he wasn't on my radar uh, prior to that, but he just he seems wildly inaccurate most of the time, and he makes some poor decisions. So I, I hope he's not hurt by any means. I hope that he he's back and, and can be somewhat successful. But, yeah, he is – he is not the guy that we saw last year, whether that's injury, fundamentals, or it was just a fluke against uh, our poor offense last year or our poor defense last year. But yikes. Yeah, and I don't I don't know. I don't know if Penn State played particularly well. I still don't think that's a team that's gonna go very far with Sean Clifford at quarterback. But you know, hats off to them for, you know, winning another game. They're undefeated five and zero, number four in the country. So that'll be another a big game for Ohio State when that team comes up on Halloween weekend. Uh, the other big Game of note to Ohio State on Saturday, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan also undefeated at sitting at number fourteen in the country. Beats Wisconsin thirty-eight to seventeen. I think this is more of an indictment on Wisconsin than it is a, a positive for Michigan because I just think Graham Mertz stinks. Can't beat a ranked team. That Wisconsin offense is just disgustingly awful. And you know, you know, hats off to Michigan. They did play well. You know, their defense looked good, and their offense continues to. You know, Cade McNamara, I don't think is a, a star at quarterback, but he does enough to to win them games. And their rushing attack has been pretty good. So they get the job done there at Wisconsin. Uh, it seems just you know typical early season Michigan where they start off really good, the rest of the country gets on board, and then they play. You know, they'll play a Penn State or an Ohio State and lose by forty. It seems like they're heading heading down a similar path. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's another, you know, a game to watch for Ohio State. I don't think we'll be seeing Wisconsin this year in the Big Ten title game as I had uh, previously thought. But uh, it seems like they'll get at least a pretty good Michigan team late in the year. So I guess that's something to be mindful of moving forward. Yeah, Wisconsin fooled me, although I can't say I'm shocked. I I have not. I thought been Wisconsin overly... was going to go undefeated. I, I really? said that. I was like, all they had to do was beat, you know, Notre Dame and Penn State and they'll be fine because yeah, they remember. didn't play anybody. And uh, it turns out they are not very good. Yeah, I just, I don't know if Paul Christ is very good. I, you know, Wisconsin is not an Ohio State or a Clemson or an Alabama or a Georgia. Uh, they kind of do it with, um, you know, development and grit and grind and, and, and all that stuff. Strong gun, Strong running game, stout defense, but... I just I don't think Paul Chris is a great coach. I think he's been aided by some great defensive coaching, you know, coaches and coordinators. And he's always had a great running back to fall back on. And now they don't have a great running back. And look what happens. Um, they've got a talented running back, the kid from Clemson. But um, I just he's never really done it for me. And I think that this is a big step back for Wisconsin. And I don't think it will be the only step back if they keep this guy around. Maybe that's unfair. He's, he has a track record of success, but I think that Penn state has clearly passed them and it's not just this year. I think Penn state has passed them. And if Michigan is going to rebound, then I could easily see Wisconsin being looked at as, you know, maybe the fourth or fifth best big 10 team moving forward. So they need to figure something out. You thought that maybe a five-star quarterback would add to that team, and 
I can't say he's exclusively subtracted from their success, but yeah, he's not good either. Michigan, who knows? I think that they are reliant on a good running game and an opportunistic passing game. I think that they are definitely a a better team than we saw in the previous couple of years, but I don't know how real they are yet. I'm not willing to sit here and kind of trash them, but we'll see. There's still a lot of TBD for Michigan, seeing what they'll truly be at the end of the season when we play them in November. So um, I, I guess I would rather have them, though, be good right now. It's been a while since they've been really relevant, at least late into the season. So for Ohio State's benefit, I hope that they're still a solid team when we play them at the end of the year. Yeah, I was much more scared of that Michigan team when they, you know, but before we had played Rutgers and beat them 52 to 13 when Michigan just beat them at home 20 to 13. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. They do this every single year, it seems like, where they start off good and then they, you know, they kind of putter out at the end of the year so we'll see what happens i'm hoping they're you know at least ranked when ohio state plays them and it's another quality win for ohio state but uh yeah i don't think much about wisconsin i just think they're really bad and i'm not really taking much from that uh michigan win but you know hats off them for being undefeated to start the year uh i guess jim harbaugh is back what what do you say i don't know but the the (laughs) big the big game of the weekend i guess in terms of ohio state's upcoming opponents was iowa maryland on friday night and as someone who bet on maryland Yikes. Holy cow. Um, Talia Tagovailoa threw five picks. It was ugly, quickly. Uh, they lo- Iowa defeated Maryland 51-14. to Maryland was at home. Uh, they pretty much did nothing right. Iowa's defense continues to be, like, awesome. Uh, I'm still not totally sold on their offense. They did play well. Spencer Petras had 259 yards and three touchdowns. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa, to their credit, I thought Iowa was going to stink this year. I was low on Iowa. But I was totally wrong. I think this Iowa team is legitimately very good. I think their defense is probably the best in the Big Ten. And, you know, their offense does, you know, more than enough to, to keep them winning games. And so they're number five in the country right now. Uh, they, they look really good. But, you know, the, I guess the big thing coming out of Ohio State doesn't play Iowa in the regular season. They could see them in the Big Ten title game. It's looking like that, you know, if Ohio State plays in the Big Ten title game, that would be the case at this point. But um, Maryland... Ohio State's next opponent, who I was pretty worried about because of, you know, the way that they pass the ball and the way that their defense has been playing. Uh, I don't think I'm as worried about Maryland anymore. Yeah, I am. I'm not going to overreact to this game, or at least I'm going to try not to. I think that Maryland was exposed more than I'm still willing to say that Iowa is this top two or three or five team in the country. Now, I think they're very good, and I do expect them to be in it until the bitter end, especially in the Big Ten West, which is gross. But I I think that they had a great game plan uh, going against Maryland. I think they were prepared for the kind of spread you out throw it gunner offense that they've sort of deployed there in Maryland. And uh, I think that they exposed baby to but I still think that that team has a dynamic offense. Now, if they're uh, their top receiver and I know his name is going to escape me, if he's out for any period of time, that's definitely going to hurt that his leg injury did not look good. Um, But I also, I don't think that Maryland is as bad as they looked on Friday night, I think that they just they had a really bad game and they still have a quarterback who, you know, he threw some picks last year, too. He, he's a risk taker and he I don't even know if they were risks against Iowa. He just he made some really poor decisions. But I still think that Mike Loxley is especially a good offensive coach. And I think he'll sort of get them right. And they still they do something that Ohio state has struggled with. And that's sort of a, you know, spread you out and get their guys in space. They are not the Rutgers team that is just limited in the passing game. That's their bread and butter. Uh, I know their yards per carry are, are up there, but they're not a, a rock'em sock'em run it team. So I, I still have some concern. I feel better, but I'm going to try not to overreact to that game as bad as it did look. And maybe I'm just sort of kind of trying to walk it back because in our Slack that night, I was talking about, oh my gosh, Maryland might be for real. And then 15 minutes later, 
Tua had thrown all of the interceptions. So, uh, and I kind of had to eat crow, but we'll see. I think Ohio State's still going to have to be on their best to, to really beat Maryland comfortably. Yeah, I don't think Maryland is like a super bad team after that performance. I just like, you know, I thought they were going to be a team that, you know, could get in a shootout with Ohio State and maybe, you know, really push them. And I just, I think a little bit, that's a little bit less of a possibility now. I do still, you know, like their you said, they do. Their defense got exposed, though. Yeah, their, defense... their defense did not play well. And I think, you know, their offense is still good. They have the receivers. Uh, Tagovailoa is not as bad as he played in that game. Uh, so it will test Ohio State's defense a little bit. And, you know, we'll talk about all that on our preview later this week um, when we preview Maryland. Uh, but yeah, that's, it was, it was a tough look for Maryland. I don't think they're as bad as they played, but it was, it was not their best performance at home. Uh, just some of the other, you know, notable games from this weekend, uh, Alabama, uh, Lane Kiffin said to bring the popcorn and he did not bring the offense. They lost 42 to 21 to Alabama, uh, Georgia shut out Arkansas. I had bet Arkansas plus 18 because I'm a sucker. Uh, and Georgia just suffocated them with that. The Georgia's defense is one of the greatest college football defenses I think I've ever seen there. I, I mean, I know Arkansas, I don't think Arkansas is like a, a lights out offense, but that Georgia defense is scary. Uh, they are a very good team, I think. Uh, Oklahoma, still not sold on, beat Kansas State by six. Uh, they're, they still haven't looked particularly good. I did pick them to win the national title. I'm not feeling good about that anymore. Uh, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, which, you know, I think a lot of people expected. I personally bet on Cincinnati. I think they're very good. I think they're, you know, if they continue to, if they win out, I, I think they're very deserving of a playoff spot. I don't see how you could keep them out at this point. Uh, you know, being a ranked Notre Dame team on the road is very impressive. Shout out to Desmond Ritter. Uh, he's a lot of fun in that defense. You know, I, I think a lot of that defense is Luke Fickle's doing and not as much as Marcus Freeman as we thought, but you know, hats off to Cincinnati, uh, the the top college football team in Ohio at this point, uh, at this current moment in time. We'll see if that stands the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think it was a you know it was a really fun weekend of college football. There's a lot of good games. Clemson still stinks, so that's fun to see. Uh, they beat BC by six, but they still can't score and don't look particularly good at anything. Uh, but yeah, th- those are really kind of my notes from around the rest of college football. I think it was a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot of good games to watch. Uh, the Ohio State game was fun to watch for a half, and then you know we just kind of said, okay, let's leave now because we we already won at halftime, and that's yeah, really it. Uh, oh, and uh, yeah, the big upset of the weekend, I guess, Oregon lost to Stanford in overtime thanks to a couple of questionable penalties at the end of the game. Oregon didn't play particularly well, but they did kind of get screwed at the end there with a uh, a bad flag. Uh, that was, you know, considering Ohio State lost to that Oregon team, to see them lose 31-24 to Stanford on the road is not what you'd like to see. And it looks like the Pac-12 is not going to make the college football playoff again, barring something crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of where everything stands, I guess. Oh, and Florida lost to Kentucky, but I just think all Florida schools are bad at football. So that's that was not a shocker to me either. Yeah, yeah. Uh... I didn't. I wasn't going to hit on that game, but I think Dan Mullen and Brian Kelly are the same person. Wildly overrated. Um, will never win a national title. I, I don't think. I think that they coach at these programs that sort of earn them something special uh, as opposed to what their, their real coaching ability is. But the only thing I want to add in there is, Gene, the USA Today coaches poll came out while we're recording. So right now, five Big Ten teams are in the top 11. Iowa three, Penn State four, Ohio State seven, Michigan eight, and Michigan State 11. So I think that I think we'll see some change, especially Michigan State. Look, they've looked awesome, much better than anyone anticipated. Huge credit to Mel Tucker. They're not the 11th best team in the country. And I think that that'll sort of, you know, wash itself out throughout the season. But I think it bodes well for Ohio State that if they play to the best of their ability, like we saw yesterday, the Big Ten is. I don't know, probably the best conference in the country right now. It is on paper. We love to um, hear it, folks. Big Ten dominance. And I think it's fair to say, too. I mean, look at some of these SEC teams that have struggled. The ACC. Yuck. The credit I'll give to the SEC is that they probably have the two best teams in the country in Alabama and yeah. Georgia. But I think, yeah, as overall, I think strength of conference top to bottom, Big Ten's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, the ACC is is god-awful. Uh, the Pac-12 had Oregon, and they don't even appear to have that anymore. The Big 12 is, you know, cannibalizing itself to the SEC. So it's, you know, it's, it's a good year to be the Big Ten, I guess. Um, Gene, we've learned one thing from the ACC before we move on, and this is not an ACC pod by any means, but I think the one thing we've learned from the ACC 
is that you do not give huge NIL deals to ACC quarterbacks. De'Eric King, I think, had 45 deals before the season started. DJ Ugulele at Clemson had the huge national Dr. Pepper deal. And I actually read on Twitter, I think it was Darren Ravel, they have essentially pulled his commercial. They're like, we're not even going to air it because you're not the guy, you're not the follow-up to Trevor Lawrence that everyone anticipated. So sort of diverging from Ohio State pod territory, but that's another, you hate to see it. You hate to see these companies throwing big money at unsuccessful quarterbacks thus far. Yeah, I mean, the best team in the ACC right now is Wake Forest, and I don't even think it's like really up for discussion because Clemson's not any good. BC, you know, uh, BC I think would be really good if their quarterback wasn't hurt. And Uh, I knew that though, Gene, because I watched QB1 on Netflix and I saw Sam Hartman go to a new high school that had won like zero games the previous year. So I put big money on that. I knew that Wake Forest was going to be a top 20 team five years later under the tutelage of one Sam Hartman. Yeah, they looked really good this year. But yeah, like you said, <laughs> not an ACC podcast, but as fun as that would be. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, you know, Big Ten's looking good. Uh, it's good for me because I work, the office that I work in, uh, it's a big Big Ten office. There's one Alabama alum, but everyone else is, I work in Jersey, so there's a lot of Rutgers. Uh, I'm the Ohio State guy, obviously. We have an, an Iowa guy and a Michigan State guy. So it's a lot of a lot of Big Tens. So we'll be celebrating our Big Ten dominance and trying to uh, overwhelm the Alabama fan with our big over SEC talk uh, for the remainder of the year. And hopefully that holds. I think that's pretty much it for us on the Rutgers recap where we're going to be back with you uh, sometime later this week with the Maryland preview. Uh, Other than that, I think we're pretty much all set here. Uh, Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys later this week. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.